Let's go ahead and uh, dismiss all of our children. to children's worship, and I want to say good morning, welcome, glad you could be a part of uh, the worship today, and thank you, Bryant, for, uh, Jeremy, I think, did some of the preparation, and obviously he's been out, but Bryant and team did a great job this morning, thank you, thank you for that very much. If you're a guest here today, we want to say welcome to you, I'm glad that uh, you're in the assembly. Uh, both uh, members and visitors, we'd love for you to fill out one of the attendance cards and on the way out, put it in a little basket there. Bradley, if you'll provide a couple of those on the table, we'd love just to have a note that, uh, that you're here and your information, if that's something that you feel comfortable giving. As uh, Brad already said, can you believe Christian Family Services? I feel so privileged to be a part of of that ministry and to have so many in this congregation that uh, work at CFS and all the ways, all the good work that's being done and $190,000 has been raised and Steve said maybe a little more coming in. That'd be great if we could get to that $200,000 uh, mark. Uh, that, but just uh, praise God for all of that. Go ahead and put up our slide. Next Sunday, we're going to be having church, not here, but over in the park, in Tilly's Park, right across the street. Many of us have done that in years past, and so it'll be somewhat similar with the fact that we'll try to uh, respect all the protocol around uh, COVID and, and such in terms of the way we serve the food and seating and everything. So uh, Elizabeth's been doing a great job of thinking through all of that. That's next Sunday at 9.30 the Gloria Rogers Shelter in Tilly's Park. Bring lawn chairs and a blanket if you want to spread out. The picnic lunch will be provided, and then we're going to charge you for it, okay? So uh, opportunity to donate, I should say, $5 a person or $15 for a family. Look, this is a, this is a, this is a break, okay? This is a real gift. And so that planning is already underway, and you can uh, help out with the cost of the food and the supply uh, uh, there and the supplies that are going to be used. You can pay for that on PayPal, on the website, we'll, or bring cash next week. We'll take that too, okay? But we're looking forward to this, and uh, Lord willing, we'll have a great, some great weather and just be an encouraging time. It always is. Bring somebody, okay? Invite somebody to come along to this uh, time together. And so... 9.30 is church, we'll be done by 10.30 and then maybe a little transition time and then an early lunch. How about that, okay? That is next Sunday. Well, let's have a prayer as I begin. Lord God, as we read your word, I pray, Lord, that, that you'll speak to us again today as you have already in this service through the scripture reading and through the songs that were just very touching this morning through Matthew's uh, thoughts in terms of communion, uh, the prayer that he uh, read from that, that 8th century monk. And I just pray, Lord, that all the ways, uh, liberty's uh, sharing in the, in the passage and reading that uh, for us, that we uh, will be reminded, as Matthew said, of uh, the way your kingdom works 
way it's contrary so often to our thoughts and our feelings and our, our predispositions. Lord, I pray that you'll, uh, you'll teach us again. Open our eyes to you and to your will. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, we're in our series, Gentle and Lowly. And if you didn't get a book, the book is out in the foyer. I hope you're reading through it. And uh, here we are in week two of this series. Today's ser- sermon is called Christ Heart in Action. And that's based on chapter two of the book. Now, the old joke when I was at Vanderbilt was that the religion department debated the philosophy department on the existence of God, and the religion department took the negative. That is to say, it was a fairly liberal uh, religious department there at at Vanderbilt, and uh, there was this debate on does God exist. I want to suggest that in Scripture there is not much interest or even a lot of debate about God's existence. There is very little discussion of God in the abstract. And about the mid-20th century, in fact, there was a book written by uh, G. Ernest Wright, and the title of his book was called The God Who Acts. And he's trying to point out in the book, by using Old Testament passages, that God is not primarily an idea or a doctrine to fit into some kind of systematic theology, but rather the one who reveals himself through his saving activity. We are to know him by what he does. And you think of creation, and as the Bible opens up, in the beginning, God created, and we see the active nature of God. The earth was formless and void, and then God says, works it over, and the Spirit of God is working, and then God says, let there be light, and there's light. He creates, he moves, he acts, and out of the formless and void comes a creation that is so astounding and so wonderful that biologists and ecologists, and environmentalists, and astrologists, and scientists of all stripes study this creation with wonder. He is a God who acts. Or remember the famous uh, passage in the book of Exodus, while the descendants of Abraham are stuck there in slavery and oppression in Egypt, And we see this God who acts in this passage from Exodus 3, 7, and 8. The text says, The Lord said, I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. He feels for them. So I have come down to rescue them from the right hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them out of the land into a good and spacious land. I point that out because this God who acts, there seems to be a pattern that, uh, that happens at least many times in Scripture. We see this pattern of God's work. God sees, God feels, 
and God acts. In fact, it could be a pretty good mantra for our lives as followers of Jesus to see and to feel and to act. As we move into the New Testament and to Jesus in our primary passage for this series, Gentle and Lowly, remember our text, our primary text is taken from Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Come to me, all your weary burden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And then Jesus describes his heart. The only time in Scripture where we see him making a, descript, a, a statement like this. For I am gentle and humble in heart. The claims in this passage are huge. Jesus claimed in 29 that he is gentle and lowly. Jesus claimed that he'll give us rest. Is this true? What Jesus claimed with his words, I want to suggest, he proved again and again with his actions. The God who acts. He backed up his words with what he did. What he says he does, what he is he does. His life proves this description of his heart. And as Dane Ortland in the book that we're reading points out, the natural impulse of Jesus is to act with compassion. My point today is that 100% of his actions validate his nature. His actions speak even louder than those soothing and comforting words that he is gentle and lowly. His actions give proof to his words. So Liberty read the passage from Matthew chapter 9 where Jesus went through all the villages and he saw the crowds. And, and it's in this passage, it says very directly that he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I want you to see again this pattern. He saw the crowds. And when he saw them, I don't know about you, but, to, but I don't have you seen on TV the crowds at the border? Now, I'm not making a political statement. I have no idea what we should do. But I do think from a Christian perspective, one thing that it should elicit in our hearts is compassion. I don't know about you, but I might go a different direction. When he saw the crowds, it doesn't say that he just took up gardening or he muttered under his breath, people. Or that he planned his return trip to heaven. You know, that's might have been what I would have done if I was Jesus. None of the above. You see, the pattern of compassion is there again. See 
feel, and act. And in this passage, we see him, we see him seeing the crowds, having compassion, that feeling, and then he takes action by involving his disciples in prayer and in spreading the word of faith to these harassed and helpless people. You see it again in Mark chapter 1 with the leper. You see it with the paralytic man in Mark chapter 2. It again demonstrates the pattern of seeing and feeling and acting. Remember that passage in uh, Luke uh, chapter 19, beginning with verse 41, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, saw it. And he saw the people of that city. How did he feel? He wept over it. And then he goes on to say, you folks, you don't understand how you're missing the boat and you're missing your faith. And then he begins to act because that leads him to not only the temple court and to clean that up, but then he makes his way to the cross. You see, the pattern of compassion is even repeated at the cross. Jesus sees the man to his left and his right. Jesus sees his mother and asks John to take care of her. Jesus sees all humanity dead in their sin, trapped in their fallenness, he feels and he acts to death for us. Here's the point. His actions in every way confirm his self-description. Lowly and gentle in heart. So what's this all mean for us? It teaches us about who God is and what God is like. And I might just stop and pause and we could ask again, as I'll be asking in each of these weeks to a certain degree, what is your view of God? If Jesus teaches us about the Father, if Jesus reveals to us who God is, is this your understanding and your view? I think sometimes we doubt this profoundly. God cannot be as Jesus is, we say to ourselves. We see the heart of Jesus in action and we can know without a doubt that God cares more about us, about you, than you, than I will ever care about ourselves. The disposition of his heart, that is who he is at the core, is compassion. And so when we talk of the heart of Christ, we're not trying to talk about one attribute of God over against another. 
to say his power versus his compassion or his wrath versus his love. And I know we have this sort of built-in innate need to be balanced in our understanding. However, I believe Ortland is cautioning, cautioning us, even correcting us in the book, when it comes to Jesus' heart, his heart is his heart. And it is compassion that you will find there. Which leads us to this point. It is impossible for the affectionate heart of Christ to be over-celebrated. Never too much. We can't make too much out of the heart of Jesus. And I know we grow callous, and some of us sometimes become cynical, and we say, well, I've heard that before, and I've read that passage before, and how many times can we read Matthew chapter 11? And as I said last week, then we often project our view of God onto God. All of his heart in action was and is focused on one outcome. That is, go ahead and put up this slide if it's on there, uh, Ross. All of his heart in action was and is focused on one outcome. Rehumanizing the dehumanized. That phrase actually was out of the book, but I'd love the thought of that, and I'll give you, give it to you this week again to uh, to think about it, work this over in your mind. That this is the essence of salvation, of wholeness. This is all God has ever wanted to restore his creation, including relationships with the creator and with one another. To bring us back like we were before the fall in the garden. His miracles, of course, are a sign, but they are significant actions in themselves, as Ortland put it, to make the world whole again. They're not interruptions of our natural order, but the restoration of the natural order. And I'd say then finally, the miracle of his death and resurrection is the ultimate expression of his heart. It's the ultimate expression to restore the natural order. So here's the amazing thing. Today, through the genius of God, we have more than his biblical examples, as great as those are that I have shared today, as powerful as they are to see this pattern, we have his presence through his Holy Spirit. This Jesus, whose heart in action, compassionate action, is working through his Spirit, he is closer to sinners and sufferers now than he was in his earthly ministry when he was in bodily form. And it is my guess that while the world is a mess and seemingly headed into the last days, at least in the Western world, maybe we've become even more attuned to compassion. We may be the most compassionate people in the history of the world because of the influence of Jesus, and yet we're selective. 
in the way we're compassionate. And I use the refugees as an illustration of that point. So I want you to think about for just a moment as we close the greatest acts of compassion that you have ever seen. What are they? We saw some great, great examples in the video, Steve, that you put together for the Night of Hope. Families that are loving foster children and adopting children. As I was just thinking about this little exercise myself, I, I couldn't help but the one that came to mind for me went back to that video. Does anybody remember this? It was way back in the early 90s where the dad, the father, helps his son cross the finish line. I think he was running a 400-meter race. It was the 1992 Olympics. Derek, Derek Redman was running the race, and as he had prepared all of his life in the Olympics before this, he was forced to withdraw 10 minutes due to a, an Achilles injury. So here we are, at least, I think, four years later, this time, he was heavily favored to win a medal. His father was in the stands cheering. The race began 175 meters into it. He pulls the hamstring. He collapses on the ground. The stretchers are being rolled out. He refused to get on the stretcher. He starts hobbling toward the finish line. His dad breaks through security, goes out on the track, puts his arm around him, and helped him finish that race. Go out and watch the video. It'll make you cry. Here's my question. Would you agree that the heart of Christ is more compassionate still? And if you feel distance from him, if you feel afraid, if you feel anxious in the core of who you are, if you feel it can't be that easy, he is not the problem. Jesus sees he feels, he acts, he is gentle and humble in heart, proving it with a heart of compassion for every human being, including you.
Let's sing together.